0: Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod. Changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 37. Wednesday morning, March 13th, 2019. It's here, baby. The best week of the year to bet college hoops, followed by also the best week to bet on college hoops, followed by another best week to bet on college hoops, and followed by the final four. In this episode, I will cover the conference tournaments that are taking place this week. We have 14 conference tournament championship games on Saturday and 6 on Sunday. Boom, baby! There are no guests on the pod this week. We decided to move the interview with the brains behind Kron Harper to next week. If you haven't heard of them, follow that Cron Harper good good on the Instagram for some good laughs. And the hot truth, that's Kron is in chronic and Harper is in Ron Harper. We'll break down the bracket and react to some big NFL deals in the podcast episode next week with those guys. We had those crazy wide receiver trades in the league the past couple of days. Arguably the best two wide receivers, respect to Julio and DeAndre. uh, Got traded to new teams with Antonio Brown going to the Raiders and the big shocker, Odell Beckham Jr., getting shipped to the Cleveland Browns. So some teams are making some big moves. But this episode's all about college hoops, baby. In this episode, I'm going to hit on each conference tournament. I've been looking forward to doing this one for a while. And uh, I'll offer some good value plays and hopefully some good angles that'll help you make more informed decisions on your bets. And then I'll quickly touch on my golf handicapping strategy because we have the Players' Championship this weekend. I also have personal feelings that golf is the sport that stands to win the most for more widespread sports betting here in the United States. So I'll quickly go into how I approach golf betting in terms of establishing a portfolio on certain golfers within a, a certain tournament. It's an unbelievable week of sports betting, possibly the best of the year, so let's get to going. Okay, let's get to going. First, let's quickly touch on some weekend and Monday takeaways from college hoops. Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's last night, 60-47 to in the West Coast title game. It was a real clunker. It'll probably cost them the number one overall seed in the big dance, but they should still get a one seed, or at least they better get a one seed. That game was also big for the bubble because it definitely popped one for someone. Um, I think that loss could have actually been huge for Gonzaga. I think they're still gelling with uh, with Killian Tilly back after he just returned. So there's some rust, some cobwebs to shake off. And I think that game woke them up. Obviously, St. Mary's is a solid team, and they were all in on that game. They were really focused. And um, I think Gonzaga needed that test. I mean, obviously, they showed that they're vulnerable, but it's just a you know a terrible night for them. But they have all the pieces to make a deep run in in uh, in March. So I think that if anything, those who are willing and looking to play on them, and myself included, this actually could have been good for us in terms of changing the public perception on this team. I think they might be on a few less brackets now after losing that game. Uh, a few less brackets to win the whole thing. So I think it was a good thing for Gonzaga waking them up. They obviously looked really shitty, putting up 47 points and. Uh, but they have all the pieces to make a deep run. Killian Tilly, obviously, player of the year in the conference, uh, Rui Hachimura. Um, but then they have a lot of depth, uh, good guard play, and they're very well coached. They have pretty much, you know, they don't have that many, if any, um, big holes in that team. Obviously, last night was a bad night, but bad nights happen. It's college hoop. So I think Gonzaga still, I'm not, I'm not as worried, even after that terrible showing last night. Um, Murray State and Wofford will be your darlings next week when people are throwing out their, their brackets. Um, obviously, John Morant for Murray State and Fletcher McGee for Wofford. These guys have, uh, well, I mean, John Morant's been on the national forefront all season, but uh, these, these guys are studs. People are onto them. Wofford should be a 6 or 7 seed in the tournament, at least, and they will likely be a good look in the tournament against the spread if they can get past their first game. Uh, Murray State will probably be a 12 seed. I've been saying the past few days I predict that they'll be matched up against Marquette in the first round in a 5-12 matchup that features Marcus Howard versus John Morant. I I have Marquette as like a 5-ish point favorite in that one if they played, but uh, I could just see that one happening, the committee pairing those two players together. um, That could be interesting, but I hope for Marquette fans that they don't get that matchup. Um Belmont better be in. They did not win that game against Murray State, but they were the better team than Murray State this season in the conference. They went twenty five and four before losing in that title game, and I think it's it's kinda tough to uh to take that team out of the tournament when they were so good. Their body of work was so good this season. So it'll be a shame if they don't get in the tournament. I'll be pretty pissed off, but I'm not expecting the committee to get that one right and put Belmont in the tournament. Lipscomb should be in. They lost their championship game as well, but in my opinion they don't expect, or I don't expect them to be in the tournament. I, I think they deserve to be in the tournament because of their overall body of work as well. But the committee's going to fuck them as well. Uh, so Belmont and Limskum, those are your big uh, teams that are cheering for bubbles not to pop this week because they lost their their automatic bid chances. So they're looking for that at large. And as uh, as teams in lower conferences, it's going to be tough for them to get that bid. But I'm pulling for them. I'm always pulling for the little guy. All right, so before I get into conference tournament previews, just a quick reminder on money line rollovers, aka mechanical parlays, at this time of year. You are almost always, and by almost always, I mean like pretty much every time, you're going to make a lot more money by doing a money line rollover on a team in the conference tournaments and in the big dance, as opposed to taking them on their futures price. And that's just because sports books, if you add everything together, the percentages, they're just taking way too much VIG um, out on that, you'll make just a way bigger payout. The only situation where it really does not happen is if, like, a bunch of underdogs win that the team that you're playing on is going to play against. So, you know, if they aren't going to be playing a team that's going to be favored by a lot against them, then obviously it's going to ruin their payout on the money line because they won't be as big of an, un- of an underdog or they'll be a, you know, uh, a bigger favorite in their game. So it's a... Uh, it's definitely the move to take the money line rollover and you're going to make like a significant more amount of money by doing that. So just do the math in your head and don't be an idiot and take those those futures prices. It's just a lot better to do the money line rollover. And the best part about that is you could just take your money out whenever you want. So there's no, you don't need them to actually win the whole thing to cash the ticket. And that's, that's huge. Um, another thing to be aware of playing on or against bubble teams. Everyone thinks they're being smart by, playing on a bubble team at this time of year in the conference tournaments but you just got to be aware that usually this is already factored into the line so do not automatically think that playing on a bubble team is necessarily a good play usually there's a point or two factored into the line the bookies know what they're doing so be aware of that but it, it obviously is good for you know the team's gonna be fully motivated but all these teams are motivated they're young college kids so be aware of over reacting to bubble teams playing on them All right, so let's move on now to the official Doggy Juice preview of the 2019 Bigger Conference Basketball Tournaments. Oh, yes! Hello! Bingo, bongo! Starting with the tournaments who have a Saturday championship game, and there are 14 of those. We have a lot of title games on Saturday. The America East, uh, starting the day Saturday, early in the morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time, 11 o'clock, Local time, Eastern time. We have Vermont hosting University of Maryland-Baltimore County for the tourney bid. Now, let me set the stage for you on this one. Last year, these two teams were playing in this exact same game in the exact same stadium. Vermont at home. Vermont, 10.5-point favorites. The score was 62-62. to There were 10 seconds left, and UMBC had the ball. What happened? Jarius Lyles from UMBC drilled a three-pointer from the top of the key at the buzzer and shocked Vermont. And then UMBC went on to make history as a 16 seed. You know that story, obviously. I haven't seen a line yet, but my numbers have this one on Saturday at around 12 to 13 points, Vermont favored. Here's the thing, though. These two teams have played twice this year already, home and away, and UMBC has won twice, by 13 and by 19, too, in each one. So it's not like they were buzzer beaters or anything like that. Um, Vermont... They only lost four other games this year, besides those two games. Two of those losses, those four losses, were to Kansas and Louisville. And another one of the losses was to Lipscomb, the team that I talked about before. So uh, they, in my opinion, deserve to be in the tournament. So you have to wonder, then, is there a fundamental matchup disadvantage here for um, in favor of UMBC against Vermont? Well, when you dig deeper, and Vermont's home loss to UMBC this year, Vermont was without Anthony Lamb, their leading scorer. And actually, a third Duncan brother started the game in his place to become the second trio of brothers to start in the same game for the same team. Really quickly, who was the first? I'll give you a moment to think about it. If you get this, then you're a wizard. The answer is Villanova's Larry Keith and Reggie Heron. They started against Colgate on February 26th, 1977. Yes, I looked that up. Anyway, there's a lot of food for thought in this one, but I'm interested to see what the line is. I haven't seen it yet, but I I may consider actually playing on Vermont at the right price. I need to dig a little bit deeper into the actual matchup, but I think that Vermont at 10 or less might be a take for me here. They might be tight at the beginning of the game, so maybe even getting involved in running, but you know that they will not be taking this game lightly at all. They're the better team. They're the more experienced team. They'll have the home crowd behind them. They'll be energized, and they'll be out for revenge from last year so, and from the two games this year. So I want to play on Vermont in this one, but really got to dig deeper into that one. But it looks like Vermont, at anything in the single digits, might be worth a play in this one, or at least getting involved on Vermont in running. The Mid-Eastern Atlantic Conference, the MEAC, not as much on this tournament. Norfolk State uh, is the favorite, and the tournament is being played in Norfolk, Virginia, so That's who I'll pick to win this whole thing. And they play later today against South Carolina State, and they're eight and a half point favorites in that quarterfinal matchup. So give me Norfolk State to go through and win that tournament. Moving on to the Big 12. The first round of this one is tonight, but it actually really gets going tomorrow. Texas Tech is the overwhelming favorite right now, and for good reason, they. They've been the class of the conference, and there's there's no team hotter in college basketball right now. They're number one in defensive efficiency in the entire country. I'm seeing them at plus 150 to win this Big 12 tournament, though, so zero value in taking that. Better off doing the money line rollover, like I've said before. Kansas historically performs very poorly when this game is in their backyard. It's in Kansas City again this year, um, but I, I would have looked at Kansas State here, but Dean Wade is probably going to miss this entire tournament. He was downgraded to doubtful for the entire tourney, so that's a real shame. I think the team with him is just completely different, so definitely not looking to play on Kansas State without Dean Wade in this one. Um, I think the value play, though, in the Big 12 tournament is Iowa State, but again, look to do the money line rollover instead of playing them at their, uh, their future. It's around plus 475, maybe you could find 5-1 to on them to win the whole thing, but They have the team to get it done, and I think they're actually a bit underrated right now in the market heading into the big dance. They get Baylor in their first game, and Baylor is just not on a good run right now. They lost three straight to close the season, and Iowa State's currently favored by three in that game tomorrow. If they do beat Baylor, they'll likely get Kansas State without Dean Wade, and if they win that one, they'll be in the championship game against probably Texas Tech or Kansas. So Iowa State's my look there. I think Texas Tech wins this tournament, but... Give me the Iowa State Cyclones as the value team. Mountain West Tournament. Nevada is the only lock for the bid to the big dance in this conference, but Utah State should get in as well. Uh, This one's all about Nevada for me. Look to play on them, especially if they play against Utah State in the title game. It'll be a big revenge spot for Nevada. Uh, The only other team that can challenge for the tournament title besides those those, uh, two teams is Fresno State, but i think nevada gets this done like i said in the previous pod nevada is the prototypical high variance team this march this team pretty much always plays down to their competition has not taking their competition seriously throughout this year in that conference but when they turn it on they can compete with anybody nba uh, caliber talent in the starting lineup and jazz johnson that do can drill threes and obviously you have the the martin twins. so um, i think nevada could make noise their team that's you know, can make the final four that has the ability to make the final four, but they also have the ability to get knocked out first round. Like truly, I think that they have that high of a variance. So um, in this particular tournament though, they're the favorites. So you're not really getting any value on them, but play on Nevada and especially look to play on Nevada to cover if they play Utah state in the title game, the SWAC SWAC conference. We got Texas Southern and pre-review A&M as the two favorites. pre View is the hot team entering the tournament with a 17-1 league record. Both these two teams are around plus 120 to win the tournament, get the bid. So it's pretty much a two-horse race, they're saying, to win this conference. I actually like Texas Southern to get this one done. Uh, They're led by Jeremy Combs down low and Tyreek Armstrong in the backcourt. They had a shocking loss to Southern on Saturday night that kind of woke them up, and they beat Southern pretty easily last night in the quick rematch. And they advanced to the f- their Friday game against Alabama State, who won outright as six-point underdogs last night against Jackson State as a doggy-juice best bet on Twitter. But I think Alabama State's run ends against Texas Southern on Friday, and Texas Southern takes the crown in this tourney because I have them favored by about two or three points on a neutral against Prairie View if those two teams were to meet in the title game. So give me Texas Southern to win the SWAC. The Big East... This is one of the most wide-open tournaments that we will have this week. Obviously, this is a two-team race to win the conference title this year between Villanova and Marquette. Both teams struggled down the stretch, and Marquette blew their chance to, to uh, clinch a share of the Big East tournament title. That was brutal. That loss at home to Georgetown over the weekend when Villanova lost and uh, set up Marquette beautifully to share the title but Villanova is number one in this tournament but they're not playing good ball lately and obviously speaking of not playing good ball lately Marquette boy oh boy ever since they did blow that second half lead against Villanova they've lost four straight two at home but right now with literally everyone off of Marquette at this time I'm concerned this is when I would look to to buy on to Marquette obviously the market's very low on them during this terrible run so I wonder if we can actually find Marquette at this time, but I really just don't want to play on them. I think that uh, Marcus Howard might be having a case of Trey Young this year. He's just gassed. down the stretch. They've been leaning on him all season long, and he's been amazing. I thought he was a Player of the Year candidate, but it's just been tough for him here down the stretch and just ran out of gas like Trey Young did at the end end of the season. I mean, if you think about it, it's just such a big workload over the course of the four-month season, so it happens. But with a little bit of extra time off, I think Marquette... Could be poised to win this one, but you're not going to get any value playing on Villanova and Marquette in this tournament. I think the value plays could be they'll be on one of those middling teams in the conference. I think Seton Hall or Providence could be a good look if you're looking on the futures board, especially Providence twenty-five to one. This one will be fascinating to watch. But if you're yeah, if you're looking for that value, one of those middle teams to win the conference in terms of uh, your futures odds. But this one's wide open. I think any team can take it. Uh, I'll predict that Villanova gets it, I guess if I have to make a pick, but there's no value in taking them to win this tournament in the in the future sport, especially. Moving on to the Mac, this is Buffalo's tournament to lose. The low-key thing to look for in the actual big dance when dealing with Buffalo, look to see if they're playing on a Friday night in the opening round. And if they get past the opening round, uh, at the, the first weekend and make it to the Sweet 16, look to see if they're playing on a Friday night in the Sweet Sixteen. Um And the reason for that is, if if they are, look to play on them, or at least refrain from playing against them if they're playing on a Friday night, because they made a habit of playing on Friday nights seemingly every Friday during the season. It's their routine, they're accustomed to that, and that could be a huge factor in their opening game of the tournament that people are not thinking about. So that's just one little nugget to keep in mind, but this is their tournament. The tournament's being played in Cleveland, though. Buffalo should win this thing, but... Toledo might have an outside chance to steal the bid from a bubble team since Buffalo's making the big dance regardless. But Buffalo's the favorite. I think they win this tournament. On to the next one. The Big Sky, not a whole lot here. Montana and Northern Colorado, the top tier of the league. Weber State is also right there. I've noticed that I've been playing a lot of unders with this conference recently, especially with Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona, and I'm actually on the under 142 and a half in that Northern Arizona game this morning. It looks like it's uh, set to cash at the end here. I think Northern Colorado, though, they they have a great chance of getting this one done. Montana is the top team on my conference power ratings, but they might be without their stud, Jamara Coe, due to injury. So that one's still up in the air as this tournament goes on, but that does downgrade their power rating for me. Uh, so I'll pick Northern Colorado to win this tournament. They have Jordan Davis, a stud senior, and probably the top freshman in the conference in Bodie Hume. So Give me Northern Colorado to win the Big Sky Tournament. on the deck with that move. The ACC. Obviously, this one's going to be filled with storylines this week. And this weekend, you have the big story, Duke and Zion Williamson. Is Zion going to come back and play this weekend? I think he will in order to shake off the rust and gear up for the, the tournament run. But I think there's going to be that rust, so that's a factor to look for. Virginia and North Carolina are the top two seeds. Um, they'll be obviously right there uh, being favorites to win this tournament along with Duke. Uh, we're set, though, to get a Duke versus North Carolina rematch in the semifinals. Florida State is a dark horse team, I think, in this tournament and in the big dance, too. They have the talent and the depth, but just a terrible X and o, X's and O's coach and Leonard Hamilton. That's always an issue with that team. If they were not so poorly coached, I would be willing to buy on them more, especially to win the whole thing. But I think we get a Duke versus Virginia final here. Um, we get a Duke versus UNC trilogy and a Duke versus Virginia trilogy this year. But give me Virginia to cut down the nets in this one and uh, get the number one overall seed in the big dance. I would love to see Duke under the radar heading into the big dance if they were to bow out early in this one or lose, you know, obviously before the title game. But we're going to see some really good matchups here. The issue is how much do these teams really care? They want to preserve themselves for the tournament and not gas themselves by playing back-to-back-to-back days and You know, maybe even leading to to further injury for certain players like Zion. So it'll be interesting to see how um, Coach K manages that, manages Zion's minutes, and who really wants it. I think Virginia does want it too, so that's why as the number one seed and power rated, you know, power ratings. I do have Duke better with Zion, but but obviously there's that re assimilation process with getting him back. Um, so I think Virginia is the look here. You're not going to see any value playing them in the futures market, but I think Virginia wins and cuts down the nets in the ACC tournament. The Conference USA tournament, this one is also wide open, but did you see how janky the setup is in this tournament? You can Google it, but they basically have, at least for the earlier games, they have two courts that are separated by a curtain, AAU style. It's pretty janky, especially for a conference that has had some success in the past. But Conference USA tournament, watch out for Marshall here thundering herd are peaking at the right time and they're a really streaky bunch they lost four straight and set seven of eight but now they've reeled off five in a row and they were on a five game winning streak before that bad run of of, uh, losing seven out of eight but that bunch is uh they're coached by Dan D'Antoni Mike D'Antoni's brother they like to run and gun they like to give teams fits they're usually an over team although Obviously, the totals reflect that. But I really think they can win this whole thing. And if they stay hot, they could maybe be scary entering the tournament. But Marshall, I think, could be the look here to come through um, as as champions of this tournament, even though they're not one of the top picks to win it. Southland, not much in this conference. Smaller conference down south. Ebeline Christian is my top power-rated team in the conference, but it's close between them and Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State has been one of the top against the spread teams this entire college basketball season. Uh, They're the slight favorite, Sam Houston State, in the betting market at around plus 130 to Abilene Christian's plus 165, so it's close, but I'll go with Sam Houston State and the chalk to get the tourney bid from this conference. Moving on to the Pac-12, it's crazy how far this conference has fallen in recent years. It's most likely a one-bid league. Only Washington and Arizona State have a realistic shot of an at-large bid. Um, Oregon had some tough injuries this year to deal with, including Bulbul, Manute's son. Um, He went out early in the season. I wanted to play on Oregon, but Oregon's heating up at the right time here. Washington's the favorite, but I think there's value further down the betting board in this tournament, especially Oregon, who I'll get to in a second. Um, I think this could be a tournament where we see both Oregon teams in the final. There's going to be probably a semifinal matchup between at least the way I have it projected, uh, Oregon State against Washington and Oregon against Arizona State. But give me Oregon to win the whole thing here. They're playing very well lately, closing out with four straight wins, including the straight-up win at Washington in the last game of the season that I was on. I was on uh, Oregon as six-point underdogs in that one the other night. Uh, Dana Altman is an excellent coach in March, and I think he'll figure out a way to get his team to the big dance and win this tournament here. So give me Oregon to win the Pac-12 tournament. moving on to the WAC the WAC we got New Mexico State as the team to beat in this tournament they start off against the lowliest of the low Chicago State tomorrow afternoon in a game that uh, New Mexico State should be like 30 point favorites in Uh, Grand Canyon and Utah Valley are the only other teams that will challenge New Mexico State for this tournament bid I think Dan Marley's squad Grand Canyon can get it done Grand Canyon is the only for-profit institution in Division I college basketball, by the way. Private Christian college. Uh, But they uh, only recently became tournament eligible in recent years, Grand Canyon, after transitioning from the lower levels, So this could be a big moment for that program and for Dan Marley if they win this one. They lost to New Mexico State both times they played the season, but those games, those losses were by two and three points respectively. So I think the Marley squad has a shot to get it done here I'll go ahead and go out on a limb and take Grand Canyon to win the whack. The Big West. This has been UC Irvine's conference all season long. They're the class. They're just running over teams. I have them power rated about five points better than the next best team, UC Santa Barbara. Cal State Northridge. They've been a bit of an anomaly this year. Teams are shooting at outlier percentages against them, and I've been playing on them quite a bit, and... I think that you could you can find value on this team here for sure, but they go up against UC Santa, Santa Barbara tomorrow afternoon in a game that uh, Santa Barbara is five-point favorites in. I think whoever wins that game has a chance of knocking off UC Irvine to win the tournament, but, you know, especially UC Santa Barbara, I think they can challenge, but my pick's going to be UC Irvine to win this tournament. They've been steamrolling teams. They've been the class of the conference all season long, and I don't think that changes in this tournament. All right, so... Now let's move on to the conference tournaments whose championship game is on Selection Sunday, and there's six of those, starting with the Ivy League. Love me some Ivy League. Seriously, dude. This tournament has four teams playing on Saturday in the semifinals with the final on Sunday. It's going to be fire. We have number one, Harvard, versus number four, Penn, Penn Quakers, and number two, Yale, versus number three, Princeton. Important to note is that these games are going to be on Yale's home court. My pick to win the whole thing, though, is going to be number four Penn. I feel like they've been um, a team that I've been playing on a lot recently, not properly appreciated by the betting markets, and I'll still probably end up playing on them in this tournament as well in terms of their matchup with number one Harvard. These two teams played twice very recently, both of them the past month, and Harvard won both of those, but the first one was in overtime, and in the second game, Penn had a four-point lead at halftime. So I think they're a good look at plus two or better against Harvard in that game. And I think I might see that. So I think I'm going to look to play on Penn. I think we're going to find some good value on them as underdogs against Gale in the title game if they make it there on Sunday. So give me the Penn Quakers to win the tourney bid in the Ivy League. The Atlantic 10. This is going to be a dynamite tournament because, in my opinion, I think it's the most wide open of all the tournaments. VCU is the favorite at around even money, but I think you're better off looking at some of the other teams in the conference for value. I'm a big fan of the Bonnies, St. Bonaventure, and also St. Joseph's. The Bonnies have been hot lately. They should get through to that semifinal matchup against VCU. St. Joe's, they have a dude named Charlie Brown who can straight-up hoop, and he's healthy again. And you also have Davidson and Dayton in the wings, poised to enter a clash against each other in the semifinals. If uh, The aforementioned St. Joe's or St. Louis can't upset either of them, but... The pick here is VCU, but the value is on the Bonnies to win the Atlantic 10. The SEC, historically this has been the Kentucky Invitational. LSU, they won the conference, which makes this bracket all completely fucked up because Kentucky and Tennessee are clearly the class of the conference but they're the two and three seeds and they'll have to play each other in the semifinals, but that's if they get there. I think Mississippi state can actually give Tennessee some trouble in that matchup. If these two teams do end up playing Uh, recently, LSU has been the center of controversy, but are they the value team here anyway? I wonder that just because no one's really looking to play on them right now. And the players, um, they're still the same players. They are missing their, one of their studs who's out because of the controversy, but they have quite a squad to deal with. And they, they, you know they might be hungry to win this and show everybody that hey, we're still a good team here. But if you're looking for a future, I think the play is on Auburn. Um, there's not much value on them at five to one, you're better off doing the money line rollover. Um, but just simply because I think Auburn will actually be the favorite in every game they play up until the title game if they make it there, they're gonna be a five seed in this one, so they have to win that extra game. Uh, the winner of Missouri versus Georgia'll we'll have to we'll have to beat them. But then if they beat South Carolina, They'll be the favorites in that game, and they'll probably be a small favorite against LSU if they do play in the semifinals. So I think the money line rollover play here to make money is on Auburn in this one. If you really want to take them at 5-1, to one, you're not going to get as much of a payout if they win the whole thing, and you'll need them to win the whole thing. But I think Auburn's the look there as the value team. But either way, I still expect at the end of this one we'll see Kentucky winning it all and cementing a one seed. The Sun Belt... Georgia State and Georgia Southern are the favorites. Georgia State won the conference, but my ratings say that Georgia Southern is the better team, actually. However, the top two teams in this tournament get the triple-bye into the semifinals, and even though there was a three-way tie for second, Texas Arlington gets the triple-bye along with Georgia State. So Georgia Southern, who I have power-rated as the best team in the conference, they have to win that extra game. They'll have to beat either uh, UL Monroe or Coastal Carolina, but I... I'd only have Georgia Southern as a three-ish point favorite against either of those teams anyway um, when they do play tomorrow. So it's going to be tight. But Texas Arlington, they're a great defensive team. They just can't shoot threes. If they can get lucky shooting the three you know, in, in some of these tight games, then they'll be a tough out in this tournament. But I think this is a situation where you could possibly ride Georgia Southern all the way to the title. The American Conference, we're getting near the end here. we got two more to cover. Um, This is a great tournament. They always have their, their final on Sunday, uh, Selection Sunday. It's important to know that this tournament is being held in Memphis, so it's being played at the home court of Penny Hardaway's squad, the Memphis team. Um, that's certainly an advantage, but this has been Houston's league this year, and shout-out to Danimal for making me wear aware of the rogue Houston 70 to1 to win the title line just a couple of days ago uh, Houston's poised for a three seed with an outside chance at a two seed and they can be dangerous in March in, in the big dance Cincinnati and Central Florida are next in the pecking order in the conference but Cincinnati's been a fade recently Central Florida they're legit with taco Fall seven foot six center and I hope they, they make the tournament because Uh, He'd be great to watch in the opening round, Tackle Fall. I would love to see him get some love uh, from the media if they make the big dance. I think UCF will make the tournament. Temple and Wichita State are also candidates to win this tournament. I think Wichita State could actually um, be a candidate to make some noise especially and could be worth a look in the futures market, but obviously better off doing the Moneyline rollover. But I think this one will end up uh, coming down to Houston and uh, Central Florida I think Houston will win the tournament, and they have that chance to get the two-seed in the Big Dance. Moving on to the final one, the Big Ten, the local conference here, as I'm broadcasting to you live from Chicago. This is going to be a fantastic tournament. It's being played here in Chicago. There are a lot of teams that can win this thing. Michigan State won the regular season, and I think it's pretty much— can't really argue that the Big Ten was the strongest conference in college basketball this season. Power ratings wise, Michigan State and Michigan are tops, but they're followed closely by Purdue. And I'm also really high on Maryland. and They're right there with Wisconsin two next on the power ratings list. Um, my Iowa Hawkeyes, my alma mater, eight straight losses against the spread. Horrible loss this past Sunday. Um, I actually gave them out as a dogged juice best bet. They were up by nine with 50 seconds left. I got them at Pick'em. So they just need to win the game outright. Up by 9 with 50 seconds left, blew it, went to overtime, and lost in overtime to Nebraska on senior night in Nebraska. That was just one of the worst losses of the year. They'll get Illinois versus Northwestern, the winner of that, um, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Iowa did destroy Illinois when they played earlier this year, but the fighting line have improved markedly as the season has gone on. However, the market has figured this out for the most part. They've also downgraded Iowa so much that could be tough to find value playing on Illinois in that spot. Uh, Illinois two-point favorites against Northwestern in their game, and I think that'll be a good good watch. Actually, I'm looking to play on Illinois in that one. It's tough to gauge home crowd, but I think that'll be kind of a wash. You might get a few more uh, home fans if uh, when Iowa plays against the winner of this one, so another thing to think about. But um, either way, I think Iowa's been such a fade against the spread lately, I'm reluctant to get behind them. The value sleeper on this one. I really think is Penn State, and I see a lot of thirty to one, but you can find them at fifty to one to win this conference tournament. At least I did last night and put down a small little slice on that. Penn State fifty to one. They have a big matchup against Minnesota first, but if they get through that, then they have Purdue, and I have bad memories. Uh, the, my worst against the spread loss of the season, although the Iowa one I just talked about was right up there, but uh, probably worst against the spread loss of the season was I was on. Penn State plus eight when Purdue covered the eight on the road in overtime. Penn State was up uh, for the most part the whole game, the entire game. And at the very end, Purdue tied it to go into overtime and then covered the eight in overtime. So that was a brutal beat. Um, But on top of that, though, Purdue and Penn State, they played shortly after that game almost a month ago. And Penn State led on the road for most of that first half. And they kept it close before Purdue pulled away in the second half. So... Since that time, Penn State's only gotten better. Purdue's played like one of the best teams in the country, too, since that time. So that will be a tough matchup for Penn State if they do get past Minnesota. But uh, we know Penn State can hang with Purdue. And if Penn State does beat Purdue, then they'll get the winner of Iowa versus the winner of Illinois Northwestern, whoever comes out of that. And at this point, I have Penn State ranked um, above all those teams. And I think they'll actually be favored in that game regardless of who they play. So obviously the problem is they play Minnesota in their first game. Um, Minnesota is also a strong team right now, but Penn State's favored in that game, uh, minus two and a half, um, which is it's just a tick above where I have it. It's like about two, but one and a half to two. But if Penn State wins that game that they're favored in against Minnesota, and then if they, and, and the market's calling for them to win that game. So then if they win that game, they avenge the home overtime loss and the second loss to Purdue in that next game. Obviously, that'll be the tough one. They win that game, then they win another game they're favored in all of a sudden they're in the big 12, they're a big 10 championship game and you could do a lot with that 50 to one ticket by that point. So this is a spot where the 50 to one isn't as far off because like I said, they'd be favored in two of those three games they need to win to get to the title game. So if they're favored in two of the three and clearly they've shown they can play with that other team that they're going to be underdogs against that 50 to one looks a little juicy. So Pete some money on Penn state at 50 to one, but honestly, Purdue, I think they're worth the look. Um, as well just due to the easier road they have to play against the winner of Iowa Illinois Northwestern as well so whoever wins between Purdue and Penn State I think is going to that title game Purdue's obviously the chalk to get make it to the title game so and their price is reflected accordingly but so overall team I think will win this whole thing I mean one of the Michigan teams it's hard not to say Michigan State's win this tournament but I think Purdue will make the title game obviously for my 50 to 1 ticket I hope Penn State does but I think Purdue makes it against Michigan State. I think that'll be the matchup. Michigan State will be favored in that one. So pure pick, got to go with the chalk, Michigan State. But I think Purdue could be a really good look as well, along with that aforementioned Penn State. Um, That's that's where the value lies. So that's it for tournament previews. As always, check Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram for updates on value plays and any other good info that I find during this busy time. Before I finish with some golf, here are my current seeding projections for the big dance. Not based off my own personal power ratings, but instead how I expect the top three seeds uh, to be in the the tournament come Selection Sunday. The Doggy Juice projected number one seeds. Man, I was going to say Gonzaga as the number one overall seed, but... I have Gonzaga as a one seed. I have North Carolina, Virginia, and Kentucky as a one seed. I think Virginia, if they win that conference tournament, could get that number one overall seed. It'll be interesting, but number one, those four teams. The Doggy Juice projected number two seeds, Duke, Michigan State, Texas Tech, and Tennessee. And the Doggy Juice projected number three seeds, Michigan, Houston, LSU, Florida State. Uh, I might do a quick podcast with my reactions to the to the bracket on Selection Sunday. We'll see, but either way, we'll touch on that that bracket next week, and the episode with Cron Harper will really break it down for you next week. Um, I love doing this podcast dur- during March Madness. Nothing but nylon from deep. So really quickly, before I finish this episode, I'm going to really quickly jump into my golf handicapping strategy. I think that golf is going to benefit so much from expanded legalized sports wagering and Gil Alexander on VEASAN routinely says that golf is the sport that's most ripe for a handicapping revolution. I think that's so true and that we're actually starting to see it right now anyway. For those who haven't heard about it yet, too, check out Joe Peta, P-E-T-A. His new book, um, a 2019 Masters preview, it just came out last month. It's a fantastic read on strokes gained statistics and new ways of thinking with regards to golf handicapping. Uh, Something that personally fascinates me, and as a a handicapper myself, something that I can probably say I'm most looking forward to is improving my skills in the upcoming years in golf handicapping, as I better learn to utilize that data. Um, So golf betting, is, and this is coming from a guy who cannot golf, um, it's no cakewalk. I've tried to learn the handicapping strategies from top golf handicappers that I like to think are plugged in to the pulse uh, on golf but I can't golf worth a shit like I literally I might be the worst golfer in the entire <laughs> entire world I'm just that bad but I like to handicap it so I don't do my own numbers in golf but I am learning to utilize certain numbers and sources of information a lot of handicapping golf comes down to not just to the golfer's current form but I think more importantly you'll have success if you look at courses that are similar to the course that the golfers are playing on this upcoming weekend then look at how individual golfers performed on those similar courses in order to use those data points to paint a better picture on how you expect them to perform this weekend. So look at what types of grass the players are better at playing on. Some are better on the Bermuda grass. Some are better on the bent grass. Obviously, you have you also want to isolate which players have a certain style that fits the course, or if uh, those who usually have success on the course have, have uh, certain skill sets, like good at scrambling or they're especially good uh, at greens and regulation, etc. I like to think of it as looking at horses for courses. So in terms of golf betting, just like most future markets, it's very hard to, and very rare to find value on the golf futures market for individual tournaments. A lot of that comes down to timing, but it's just hard to find true odds that find value. Uh, the real way to make money betting golf is in matchups and that is where you will find your best value. So, my strategy, though, for golf tournaments, to create a portfolio for each individual tournament, uh, I select my horses for the weekend, a.k.a. the golfers who I believe are not priced correctly in the market and thus have betting value, and I usually diversify by taking uh, a little small piece of that golfer to win the tournament, some of them some of them, to finish top 5, some of them to finish top 10, and sometimes even a little bit on them to finish top 20. Kind of, Kind of separate that out for each golfer. Um, so that I'm just not like all in on them to win the whole thing or finish top five. Uh, it's a nice little catch all. And as always, I shop for the best number on those. It's key to shop for the best number on these because you'll find, um, you almost always find like a plus 700 where most other places are plus 625 or plus 650. And that stuff really does add up. So when you're handicapping golf and playing futures, shopping around for the best numbers vital. Um, and then on top of my futures on those selected horses that I have for the course, I like to... I look to play on those same golfers in particular matchups as well, especially looking to fade players who are particular, who are particularly bad on that type of course or that particular course and or who are not in good course form. So if you can find a matchup of one of the horses that you're on in the tournament against a guy who you want to fade in the tournament, that's the dream scenario. That's um, a lot of fun, though. There's a new tournament every week in golf betting, which keeps it fresh. Um, but as I said, Golf is probably the sport that I'm most looking forward to learning more on how to handicap, and I think it's going to be huge in coming years, especially with this young crop of star golfers and tons of stars out there, and of course the return of Tiger, so golf handicapping is going to be fun. Uh, This weekend, I'm looking at uh, Jason Day. Got him at 40-1. to Obviously, he withdrew last week in the tournament last week, which sucked because I actually had a little bit on Jason Day in that scenario, but... He's been playing great golf, and I think he's ready to make a move at the TPC Sawgrass in the Players' Championship this weekend. I think a 40-to-1 it's great value on him. Um, Also, guys like Patrick Cantlay in the 45-to-1 range, I think those are worth a look as well. So looking forward to that one. It's going to be a great tournament. It's actually the biggest purse in the Players' Championship of all the tournaments, including the majors. They're playing for the most money, and they have a new setup this year where obviously this game's earlier in March. Not too pleased that it's during my favorite college basketball weekend besides the big dance, but I'll take it. It's going to be a great weekend for golf. And also, take a look at Tiger this weekend, too. I think he's poised. I know a lot of golf handicappers, uh, their metrics say that there could actually be value on Tiger. He's around 25 to 1 if you shop around as well. Not much value taking that, obviously, but could be worth a little bit of pizza money, actually, surprisingly, uh, because Tiger was such a fade early on last year. So... It'll be a good one. Players Championship this weekend. And obviously, it's going to be behind college basketball, the star of the weekend. All right, everyone. That'll do it, though, for this episode of the Dog Juice Pod. The next few days are truly some of my favorite days of the year so or to bet. So I hopefully, uh, you all enjoy it and do well on your bets. Like I said, Cron Harper will be here next week. Give them a follow on Instagram. And I might have that pod shortly after the selection show to give you my initial reactions. We'll see. But as always, check Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram for best bets. These next few days, I'll be posting plenty uh, as these conference tournaments really get heated up and then we have our championship games over the weekend. It's going to be a fun ride. Looking forward to Selection Sunday and seeing who punches their tickets to the big dance. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your weekend. And I will talk to you soon. Peace. Doggy Juice out.